0: Shut up and sit down. When the Wind Blows is an epic-inspired podcast that brings innovation to professional development. Welcome back to When the Wind Blows, an epic podcast for parents, teachers, leaders, and anyone vested in the world of education. And today, uh, I'm bringing you a very special co-host, guest, uh, whatever, Uh, this is author of two books I don't know if there's more in the works um, but author of two books I actually got to to put my name and like sign my seal of approval before print on the second one. Lisa Johnson uh, educator extraordinaire welcome to the show.
1: Thank you that was quite the introduction. Um, I appreciate that. <laughs>
0: um, Lisa, tell me who you are, how long you've been in education, Well, let's start there. Who are you and how long have you been in education?
1: Okay. Yeah. You asked too many questions and I'm just going to go down a rabbit hole (laughs) and only answer like one of the five. (laughs) Um, So I have been in education almost 20 years now, which is kind of insane, but um, it's true. Um, (laughs) I graduated in 2001 from UT. So yeah, 20 years. Um, I am many things, um, as, as all of us are, you know, um, I'm a mom, um, and I'm also, uh, working full time as an educational technologist, or now they've kind of rebranded us as educational partners, but, um, it's, it's very similar sort of work. Uh, so that's what I do. I work at a one-to-one iPad high school here in Austin, Texas. And, um, we are, I don't know who's going to listen to this when, but I'll just say, cause I know that you get, I'm sure hits from all over. Um, so this year we are blended, um, in the sense that we do have in-person kids, but we also still have remote kids and, um, those classes are being taught at the same time by the same teacher.
0: Awesome. Okay. So my world knows blended pretty darn well, because we <laughs> are blended. Um, I do have a question, non-Lisa Johnson related, but why did your school choose iPads versus like a one-to-one laptop or a one-to-one Chromebook or something like that?
1: So we went with iPads, like, now, granted, we've been doing this for pretty much since I I moved here to this position. So almost a decade now, um, when Carl Hooker was here and, um, part of the reason was one, the price point. Um at the time. Two that's the bell. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um two, uh, the creativity, because at that time it was just like there were so many creative apps and things that you could do on the iPad that weren't available on computers the same way. Um, they they just weren't. And so Kind of going through all of that, you know, we wanted it to be portable. We wanted, you know, students to have access to it, you know, kind of anyway. And then also, really, the accessibility features. And I know that accessibility has come a long way um, in the computer world. And and I'm not as much of a PC user, so um, please don't hate me for that. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure there's somebody else who what? can talk to you more about accessibility on that. But um, and I'm sure there's great accessibility, but. The iPad has a lot of accessibility features, um, and that's really important to, you know, kind of making sure that, you know, whatever student has access to it, you know, they both vulnerable versus, you know, whoever.
0: Yeah. Uh, I feel like PC has had to come a long way, and um, obviously, like, when you talk about iPads and, and Macs, it's like one brand – when you talk about yeah. PC, there's like 40 different brands, um, but I feel like they've had to come a long way. Like Microsoft now has this collaboration tool that they had never had before, and um, and honestly, you know the the iPad and, and Mac. I felt like Keynote. I mean, the the Apple products weren't super collaborative for a long time, but they are now. Um, I just like being able to pick up either my laptop or my phone or my watch or my iPad and being able to seamlessly work. I mean, it just is awesome. Okay. That's it on things that don't matter about you. Um, I wanted to have you on the show because, well, for many reasons, you're amazing. Anytime I've gotten to speak with you, um, I've always just left like, gosh, I just want to hang out with this girl more. Um, We first met at iPad Palooza in like 07 or 08. Is this right? When did you guys start yeah. iPad Paloozas? I think I went to the second one. I want to, I want to say 2012 actually. Okay, okay, So not quite as, as far back as I was thinking, but.
1: No, but I mean, I, I think cause my, I was there the first year it started, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have to take, I, I was attending or presenting. I wasn't um, part of the team yet, but yeah. Um, yeah. I think it was 2012. I, Carl Hooker can fact check me on that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then we hooked up again. Um, well, over the years through um, Oklahoma things and different things like that, but also um, ISTE, I remember. Yes. <laughs>
0: Yes, ISTE, there was Denver. a whole Aaron and Ann go to ISTE adventure, and uh, we got to hang out with you there, too. Uh, so your first book uh, was Cultivating Communication in the Classroom, and the first thing that caught my eye was the cootie catcher on the front, um, and I was like, oh, what is this all about? And then you've got these cootie catchers throughout the book. For different things, what was your purpose behind these cootie catchers? I'm going to link a few into the show, uh, so people can see it. But also, they should go buy the book because, like the recent, hey, you've written a book, but you've and I'm I'm going all over the place. So this is I apologize, but you've added so many resources into your book. You're like, listen. I know I'm not the sage on the stage. I know, you know, I don't have everything, but what I do have is like 40,000 resources and you put all 40,000 resources into this book, which is amazing. So go buy the book, but what made cootie catchers stick with you?
1: You know, it's, it's funny. I was, so that was obviously the first book I had written. And, you know, at any time you do anything the first time, you know, you don't really have a recipe for it. You don't really have like a plan. And so it's kind of like, you know, oh, I'm going to try this. And now I'm going to try this. And so every night, you know, I would go to sleep and I'd be like, oh, I'd wake up and I get an idea or, you know, you go take a shower, you go take a walk or whatever. And you're like, oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to go jot this down. And I wanted to have like something, like something tangible and fun and iconic um like visual with it and I I kept like struggling with like what is that going to be what is that going to be and I don't remember I was reading a book or I was thinking about nostalgia or something um and I was like oh wait a second I was like these will absolutely work and they're either called cootie catchers fortune tellers um, they're like the paper, you know, things that we did mash with maybe not, maybe not mash. I don't know. I've been watching too much pen 15, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but either way, um, and I was like, well, these will be great because I always like books that not only have links to resource, but, you know, actually have like tangible resources, like a PDF I can go get immediately, I can print it out and I can use it, you know, with my students or whatever. And so I just thought it'd be a tangible sort of fun way to communicate with people. They're easily printed. Um, there's one for every chapter and actually there's now, like I had built more of them as I was doing sessions on different topics. So, um, there's more of them on that companion site and yeah, it was, it was fun. Um, I will say, creating one of those was um a little bit of a rabbit hole um because they're all over like teachers pay teachers and things like that but then you have to realize you have to like rotate text a certain way and i was like well how many categories are there actually and then when you open it up like how many can you have and which way is it going to open that's really so they, interesting it took a
0: while yeah that's that's actually really interesting uh, because, you know, you're just like, oh, cootie catcher and then whatever happens. But for, for anybody that wants more cootie catchers or more resources, your Instagram is note chef for you. Uh, and that's the, yeah. the the number four and the, the letter U. Everything else is normal. But um, you are constantly giving away ideas and resources and books and stuff. Um, so... Chapter four of that book was probably my favorite, and uh, it's probably the most. Billabelle. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> That's the
1: target. Now you got to be in class. Um, gets
0: class. It was kind of my love language of student projects. Um, I um, I wish there were more of them. Whenever I was in school, being able to prove that I knew what I was talking about without taking an ABCD test. Um, I think ABCD tests are ruining <laughs> education, but, um, you, uh, you have so many resources in so many different ways. And one of them, you talk about a Netflix beat sheet. Am I being rude by going so far back in time and, um, talking about some of these specific things?
1: No, no, not at all. Okay. Um, tell us about I, the beat sheet. Yeah. So so just to give you, well, I'm actually going to go back one more step just for a second and then I'll answer that question. So, um, with the Instagram, if you're like, I don't know where to find these cutie catchers and I don't have time to like hunt them down on the internet. Um, you can just go to my Instagram, which is the note chef for you. Um, number four letter U and then just DM me and say, Hey, here's my email address. Can you just send them to me? And I'd be happy to do that too. So, um, that's side note. Okay. Moving on. Um, what what I was noticing was, and, and I was noticing this for my own children. I mean, yes, I work at a high school, but I also have two kids. And, like, you know, I was getting these projects, like, that were sent home sometimes. And I was like, nobody makes these anymore. Like, nobody makes a 3D model. Like, yeah, yes, we make 3D models, dying. but you don't make, like, the coat hanger model, yes. like you know, sort of thing anymore. And really like if I were going to walk into a job interview or, or some sort of job, what types of products do people who get paid to make products <laughs> actually make? <laughs> Not and so I wanted fingers. things to be more authentic. Yeah. Um, so I just started kind of Googling things like, you know, if I were, you know, in the media industry, like what types of things, you know, social media creators, like what, what types of things actually create? Um, you know, if I were working for, you know, creating a TV show or writing something, which obviously has literacy written all over it, um, you know, what is a Netflix speech sheet? I was like, I didn't, you know, know there was a Netflix speech sheet or, or a, you know, what they call like a show Bible or things like that. Um, and so essentially I couldn't tell you exactly everything on it, but the idea is that you kind of map out what all of the episodes would be and you kind of give information and and sometimes you even go deeper into like, these are the five characters and this is their, you know, backstory and all of this. So, you know, if you teach a humanities course, this is an awesome thing to do. It's really, really cool. Um, And so that's kind of why I just felt like (laughs) so many bells, so many bells, um, Okay. Um, I just felt like, you know, we're not preparing all of our kids to be teachers. Like I, I, it's wonderful if they are, but really we're preparing them for whatever jobs they encounter. And a lot of those jobs have them creating different types of products that we're not really giving them exposure to. They're gonna, they're, not everybody's going to create a Netflix speech sheet, but the idea, you know, even there's another one in there, um, I talk about writing copy for um, the Woot and other things like that because there's people who are hired. I don't know if you've seen some of these websites like the Woot, which is like deal of the day sort of websites. They could just say like free fridge, you know, or, you know, this fridge is at a discount, whatever. But like somebody goes in and cleverly writes like this, you know, this whole backstory to this fridge and and it's it's marketing and it's fascinating and it's creative writing and i was like this is what i want to have kids exposed to because there's there's so many different types of media and and ways to create media out there it doesn't just have to be you know a trifle brochure in fact i hope I hope nobody's making brochures <laughs> anymore. Right. I mean, I'm sure we do pick them up from time to time, like when we travel, but they're not really the sole means of, you know, connecting with people anymore.
0: And so you were one of like the first generations of people and, and for what it's worth, uh, anybody listening can hear most of my projects coming out of you right now. Um, so there's that, uh, I think Austin Cleon, uh, Cleon, Cleon. Yeah. Wrote, uh, yeah. steal like an artist. And, and we'll get to that in just a second, because I use that all the time. And you in the next book are talking about, um, uh, finding these, um, journals that, uh, get you writing daily and give you prompts. But, um, so many of my, uh, project ideas have come from just, inspired by Lisa Johnson. Um, you've also got in here and I thought it was beautiful, uh, page 111 for anybody who buys the book, um, this like feedback, peer feedback, uh, hierarchy. And I just thought it was like so perfect. And, and that's another way you can challenge kids to be more critical and also, um, um, Bring somebody up, somebody and their project up. I mean, the, the first one was reflect, right? That's easy. Well, most of the time it's easy. Then you're inquiring. Then you're suggesting. Then you're elevating. I just, I, I really love that as well. And uh, you didn't do it, but I would have never seen it if it weren't for you. So I just uh, appreciate it. But um, gosh, uh, I'm just thinking one of the things you just said reminded me of a project I'd given a kid. Um, she'd read of Arc. And Joan of Arc is amazing. Hero's journey out the wazoo. But I had asked her to take several different critical moments from that. And I wanted her to um, create an Instagram uh, as Joan of Arc and tell the story in modern day language, but using pictures that she found from the 1400s. And, And it was probably one of my favorite projects because... She just retained more than writing uh, some sort of book report summary, and and I had just listened to I don't know Do you know who James Altucher is? He's like a writer and podcaster. Okay, yeah. so he yeah. he had a gal on this week on his, and they were talking about uh, conflict, really. Uh, but I just I was I wrote the the comment down or the quote down because I thought, oh my gosh, that's education as well. They said. Uh, when difficult decisions are binary, high conflict comes super quickly. Um, choice eliminates uh, conflict, and I'm, I was just like, "Oh my gosh, there are so many choices you offer!" and and teachers can give like a choice menu to students to basically show what they know. And I just think there are more ways to prove mastery than by writing an essay or, or, you know, filling out an ABCD test. That's all. Okay.
1: Well, and, and you can still write, like, I'm, I'm all for writing. Like it's not that I'm against writing. I just think the writing should be intentional and not that an essay is not intentional, but there are certain modes of writing that are, that are all different. You're kind of code switching depending on what audience you're writing for, what platform you're writing for. And that's really what we do every day. So, giving them exposure to do things like that is is really beneficial.
0: Um, did we sit in a what was the, uh, the name of that sketch notes? Did we sit in a sketch notes class together at, at ISTE? Do you remember?
1: Maybe it was either at ISTE or it was at IPABLUSA OU with uh, Rashawn Richards.
0: You taught. Uh, uh, what would what, you teach? Maybe I just sketch noted your class. That's that's what I did. I sketch noted your lecture.
1: It was it was either the note taking one that I've done, which is basically chapter three, I think, in the second book, or it was the slide design one, which is chapter. Three, I think, in the first book actually is one it's one of the two. I don't know. I can I can tell you.
0: You your your entire second book is just filled with amazing nuggets. Like and a, how did you decide to write a second book? Let's go there first.
1: Um. Well, I felt like I had more to say, and and over that time period, you know, that's the thing about writing a book. So you know, when when. When the book actually comes out, like you've written, you've been dealing with that project for two to three years typically. I mean, Some people might write faster than that. That's not really my MO, um, working a full-time job. Like, it's just not not reasonable. Um, And so by the time that that had already published, there were, like, new things that I was doing. And things I kind of alluded to um, in the first book when I talked about, like, I would started taking pictures of my notes and doing different things like that. And that kind of evolved into you know, something else. And then with all the mental health and, and all of those other, you know, social emotional learning. And then as I was working, you know, here, I was finding that, you know, I'd done a lot with the projects. I'd done all those sort of things. And the next step was really dealing with the social emotional learning and dealing with the executive function skills, because I was ending up doing a lot of sessions here for students, you know, on time management skills, you know, working with our, um, Academic interventionist, you know, on note taking skills and study skills and all of those sort of things. And, you know, they're not innate to students, um, especially since we've moved, you know, relatively recently from, you know, solely analog to mostly digital kind of blended, um, you know, over what a decade maybe. Um, and so that's kind of what spurred that one. I felt like there was a lot on my heart that I wanted to write about and that I wanted to share and that I felt like was very beneficial um, to not only myself, but, you know, anybody out there. And it was interesting, too, because that particular topic, more so than the first book, was like, you can pick it up and you can be a teacher and you can just glean stuff for you professionally out of it. You can also pick up and be a teacher and glean stuff for your students because, you know, time management skills and digital organization and note taking and, you know, reader's notebooks and journaling and reflection, like these are things that, you know, anybody can benefit from. And that's what I was finding too. I was doing a lot of research at the time and I was like, wait a second, like these are all things that are popping up in, you know talking about CEOs and talking about businesses and everybody's talking about these things like goal setting and the habit trackers and the values. And, and so I thought, well, I'm seeing it crop up in all these places. Why not just assemble all of those resources in one spot so you can kind of take a look at it and, and it can kind of be immersed there because I wasn't seeing, like there was crossover, like yes, you see it with CEOs, yes, you see it with bullet journaling, yes, you see it here and there, but I wasn't seeing as much of the mesh within EDU, and so I just kind of wanted to bring it all in one spot.
0: Which I am thankful for. And just so you know, you could, you could hand this book to a high school student as yeah. a textbook or like a, a summer reading before school starts next year. And, and watch that transformation as well. Um, one of the things I, I wrote, and I'm going to say again, uh, you have a way in your writing style to bring, like, pop culture in. I think you were talking about Friends. There's so much Alice in Wonderland in this book, uh, which is so awesome. But you just have a way of, of speaking my language, and I think that that's something that a lot of people who write um, – You know, these these nonfiction books or these kind of education books, they're like, I've got to use my academic vocabulary and I've got to make sure that I can say things with 45 words instead of, you know, three because it's going to fill a page better. But you just have this way of saying things and Maybe it's because you've got ADD, right? I mean, you self-proclaimed ADD sure. right here. Well, um, and, and actually diagnosed. <laughs> okay, okay, so <laughs> diagnosed ADD. I don't know what it is, but you you speak to me so clearly in your books, and I just I really appreciate it. So um, and and they're not just for teachers. That's what I guess I was trying to get out. Um, my daughter went through uh, because she, the executive functioning skills. Like I don't know, you just kind of assume that it's happening and it's just not. Um and, and how can you teach content when they're not knowing even how to to take notes? How can you teach content and expect them to turn it in on time if they have no idea of time management? And so there are just pieces of this that you can hand over to a kiddo and and again I'm not I say this with like all honor, respect, and and love, you have a way of speaking that doesn't make somebody feel like an idiot. Like, I, I feel like my 15-year-old can read this book and she's going to get just as much out of it as I was able to get out of it at 40.
1: I I appreciate that. Because I didn't... When you're writing, it's like, I want, it, I want it to sound like me. I don't want it to sound like it just went through editing and... It could be written by anybody. Like I, I still want my personality to come through. Um, and I want it to be relatable. And so I mean I do I do share a lot in that book. Um, and it's funny because you already mentioned the ADD. So it was it was interesting. So last last August um, I actually, and, it, and I've said this on Instagram and I've said this publicly, but last August, I actually had, um, an ASD diagnosis, which is ASD level one for anybody who doesn't know, um, is basically what Asperger's was, um, before they changed it in DSM. And so as I was, and, and anybody who deals, you know, and knows anything about, Asperger's or or really anybody, you know, dealing with these sort of things, executive function skills are very much um, needed and important, you know, for survival in the world. And so it was really interesting as I was going back actually over both books, because the first book deals obviously with communication, and I talk about a lot of the duality of that. And at the second book, I was like, oh, wow, like, I didn't realize I was writing books necessarily for that that audience like I was just writing them in general but had I not had those things especially in creatively productive I not had those the means of digital organization the means of reflection you know the means to deal with time management I I wouldn't be where I I am today And, and I'm by no means perfect or anything like that but you know, I see it with my son because he's also on the spectrum. And, and those are definitely skills that, you know, if you're working with you know, anybody with a learning disability, anybody who, you know, ASD, ADD, any of those things, the social emotional learning and the executive functioning skills are key because you can't do a whole lot academically unless you have those things in place. And, and so as I look back on it, I was like, oh, wow. It was kind of like revealing to me in a way I didn't, I didn't um, anticipate it to be, but, um, I just thought I'd share that nugget.
0: I no, And I appreciate it. Cause I, I've shared with you, like, I'm, I've started a book, um, but I've honestly shelved it because as I'm going back through it, it reads like my grad school papers versus like me. And, um, I would have flunked grad school if I had written like me, you know. And I'm I'm definitely flunking book writing, writing like grad school. So I I don't know what to do. And I've I mean I've heard uh, I think it was Malcolm Gladwell talked uh, that he was like 150 pages into a book once, and instead of getting editors or pitching a book idea he had written the book and was just going to take the book to the editor and he was like and I had to trash you know 150 pages of content and I kind of feel like that's where I'm at right now I don't know if it can be saved or not but I um I just love that you're not writing in grad school vernacular that's all
1: <laughs> well and, and like you Um, I don't know if it's the combination of my ADB or just that it's really hard for me to read content I'm not interested in. Um, it, it, it really had to force myself through certain content, even though I, it's like, there's certain things you have to read no matter what. And I get that. Um, I just didn't want my books to be that way. I didn't want them to be in a book study or something like that. And it'd be just like, total you know struggle best to get through them and and so I did fight a lot of times you know um, initially with the first editing I was like I still want my voice I want to share all of these things but I still want my voice and personality you know to, to be within this book because my favorite books like I don't know so this is a side note but um since you mentioned nostalgia and if anybody has read, um, or seen, so you on Netflix, it should be coming out with the season three, um, soon, but you is actually based on a book, um, with the same name by Carolyn. I want to say it's Kepnes K E P N E S. Um, and she wrote, um, she used to re- write for, like, a Teen Beat magazine or something. So her entire books, like, every book is just tons of pop culture references and, you know, like, illusions, and it was so cool. So as – and this might help you, too, because um, I, I know it helped me. It kind of the whole blend to steel like an artist. But at the time I was writing, I was also keeping a reader's journal slash reader's notebook, and so I would write, like – Hey, I really like the way that they, you know, start these sentences. Or I really like, you know, how they use this type of story or this type of imagery or whatever. And so I kind of have my own, you know, book Bible of like cool ideas I've seen that you're not necessarily stealing per se. Like you're you're kind of making them your own and replicating them. And I'm not using all of them, but when I see somebody, you know, do something in writing that I'm like, that's really cool. I really like that. Those are things that if they appeal to you, most likely they're going to appeal to others. And so I tried to kind of, I mean, that's why all of those books have so many pictures in them because I like seeing what's being described. And I think that's really important when you're trying to convey that to somebody, you know, that's why, especially the second book um, has so many, when you open it up, yes, there's six chapters, um, but each chapter, like, it'll start, like, you know, 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, so you can kind of go, okay, well, I just want to learn about uh, portfolios within digital organizations, so I'm just going to go to 1.4, I don't know if it's 1.4, I can't remember, but um, Or, you know, I'm going to talk about goal setting. Well, there's like, you know, 4.1, 4.2, 4.3 within that chapter. Maybe I just want to learn about habit trackers. Then I'm just going to go to section 4.4 because I didn't want it to be overwhelming to people. And so breaking down that content was really important. And actually, that's, again, another executive functioning thing. You know, if you you work with kids, um, really anybody now, you know, breaking down content, into ways that's easily digestible and easier to find things. We're not dumbing down content. You're making it more accessible to people.
0: Yes. And I don't know how on earth, I mean, I'm just flipping through the pages as you're speaking, um, especially chapter four. There are so many different mood trackers, health trackers, water trackers, all these things. I don't even know how you would put that into words well there are going to be seven rows and each row has 10 water drops and you're counting water and like yeah no like being able to show what you're talking about is huge um my favorite picture in the entire book is uh in uh is this five chapter five i was here you at the poetry slam oh yeah
1: yeah <laughs>
0: you i don't know gosh in you said it in like the first chapter like you were the only girl with two boys and so you had all this time growing up where you didn't have a roommate in your room basically and so you you spent time doing these things which is actually really interesting to me um is i mean so i whenever i think um uh ASD anything, any of the levels, there's usually some sort of giftedness and also some sort of um, like area that is lacking. Is your giftedness the the idea of executive function or is, you know, I get in your writer, like, I don't know, you write everything. You're literally writing daily. And I admire that about you as well. But um, do you think the the writing or the um, keeping track of things and, and time management is a giftedness on your part that you're trying I to teach? I think,
1: so, so looking back, because I, I was also, you know, I've had my own personal deep dive and trying to understand, like, why I wasn't diagnosed earlier, which many women on the spectrum are experiencing this, so it's not um, individual to my case. But um, I think I think what it was was that was how I maintained my, like, not being anxious and not losing it. Like, so with ASD, you you do have a lot of, like, worry, anxiety, things you can't control. And, and there are, I mean, in life, obviously, there are many things we can't control. We've all learned that in 2020 and 2021. Yeah. Um. You know, but there were a lot of things that I couldn't control. And I think you know, having things that I could control, um, whether it be, you know, organizing things or, you know, my space or my time, you know, those things were really important. And I think you know, they, they're inherent to who I am now. I don't know if they're a gift or they're more just like things that I had to get really good at because, I struggled with other things. Um, uh, I did struggle with social interactions. Um, you know, it, now again, like when you meet somebody who's an adult with ASD, it looks very different than a child with ASD. Right. Um, and, and everybody's, you know, there, there's a whole saying of like, if you've met one person on the spectrum, you've met one person on the spectrum, like they're all different, even right. though they share certain things. Um, so I, I really think it was a way to manage anxiety and manage control. um, of things I really didn't have control over. Like we moved around a lot too. Um, and so I was never out of school until high school. I was never out of school for more than like two or three years. And so I think that was part of it too. It's like, this is something that's consistent, you know, whether it be journaling, whether it be, you know, like, so I had gone back to journals, um, and this probably be book three at some point, but I'm not, I'm not writing it right now. Okay. I was going to ask. (laughs) but i had gone back through my journals um that i'd kept in high school and it was really interesting because i was going through them and i'm like there's like if anybody had read these now like there's no way somebody would not have known that i was on the spectrum like and and there's a lot of pop culture and nostalgia in there but there were times where i would and i I see this in my son too so it's kind of interesting and and just all the you know of things I've read about and, and Asperger's, but um, I would keep track of a lot of things. And so, like, even on the radio, um, I had, like, in certain days, I would keep track of how many times a certain song would come on the radio and exactly what time. So it'd be like 253 total eclipse of the heart three 54 PM total eclipse of the heart. And then it would be like another time and another time and another time. And so there's, there's tons of nostalgia in my turtle. Um, but you know, I, I see that cause my son does a lot of that sort of list keeping track of things. And I think, I think, you know, just kind of you adapt to, you know, whatever works for you. But I, I think that's really what it is now. Um, it's just become part of me and and I can't like, I can't unsee it. So now like if I get an email or if I get a worksheet or if I get something, I'm like, this could be better. Like this could be, you know, jumped up better. This could be divided better. And then I'm also thinking about it for not only for myself, um, but also students, you know, yes. it's even something simple and I, I'm going off on a tangent, but I just, I have to say this with all the online learning right now. Um, is there are small things that we can do as teachers that make a big difference to yes. kids. And I'll give you just one example. So um, I was working with my son um, and he's in sixth grade. And again, he's on the spectrum. And, um, and and honestly, he just recently started like really reading. Like reading was really a struggle for him um, for a long, long time. And so, um, you know, you Google classroom, which is can be overwhelming in and of itself. Yes. And, and then you might have like a printed document with a title on it that they've given the kids. And then you have an assignment and we were looking over it, and I was looking at the printed document that he had and it had a different name than the assignment. And he was struggling with figuring out where everything went. And so even something small like that, you know, the file name should be the same as the title on the PDF should be the same as, you know, whatever it says in Skyward when you're grading it to whatever it says in Google Classroom to whatever it says on Google Calendar. And it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's just thinking about those things because it took him, you know, five, 10 minutes to figure out like where to turn something in that he'd already done. And,
0: and it's so hard. Gosh, we're kidding. sometimes.
1: And so it's it's little stuff like that that I've, I've become even more aware of. I was like, well, if we just turn that into a bulleted list or if we just, you know, added a few titles here or if we just, you know, so many different things. Um, added, you know, coding and, and added some visual icons to it or whatever it is, there are small things that we can all do that made a huge difference. And the kids in the UDL, like, it makes a huge difference, obviously, for the kids who absolutely need it but it benefits everybody. Yeah. Like when you do that, it doesn't, you know, people who don't necessarily need that, it, it does benefit them. Well.
0: Do you think, well, and that's a whole nother rabbit hole, but do you think it was the the fast uh, nature of having to create content online that kept people kind of not thinking about design?
1: Sure. I mean, I don't, please know that I'm not blaming anybody no, no, for no. doing that at all. Like it's, it's not that I'm just, you know, as we start doing this, and really, you know, thinking about online, con- yeah, it was super fast in the sense of, you know, last year, like everybody just basically had to do completely online learning, and so sure, like everybody just get it, get it up, get it ready, get it to go. But now that, you know, moving forward, whether you're doing online learning or whether you're doing in-person learning, I mean, I would venture to say even if you're doing in-person learning, there's an online component, and And how we organize information for students and and how we deliver that information, you know, there's small things that we can do that have a huge difference um, to it. And so I just think that's important. You know, even we look at it, web design, accessibility, like all of those things. I did a deep dive on that as well because I was curious just like in web design, you know, are are we designing things for screen readers? Are we using, you know, headings and things like that? Because that's going to be the next, you know, sort of thing that we have to look at. And I'm not, there are people out there that know far more about that topic than I do. Um, it's, but when it comes to visual literacy and when it comes to kind of like chunking information and making it more accessible to students, that's something that I, I started in the first book and I have just continued to carry on. Um, because it is so vital and it is so important.
0: You, that whole little rant you just went on, like, um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, sorry, that's a little bit of a soapbox, but it's it's so important.
0: I found out three years ago through diagnosing Tatum, my oldest, and now subsequently we've got Jolene going through it too. I found out I was dyslexic. Like I was labeled LD in fourth grade and you know, that sent me to a resource classroom where somebody helped me with answers. I never really had to do a whole lot until I got to high school. And then I was like, okay, I'm kind of screwed here. Um, but it was through getting a diagnosis for her that I was like, Oh my gosh. Uh, So I'm primary surface dyslexic. Um, and so I can tell you like Oh, on page 143, there's a picture of a sea lion up there, and it doesn't really have anything to do with that. Anything on page 143 is on 138, but I do know that the sea lion is there, so I can easily turn to what I'm supposed to be looking at. And I retain the information like with an uncanny ability if I hear it, but if I have to read it, I have to read it like three or four times to pick it up. And so you talking about bullet points, talking about subtitles, talking about, you know, the way we present information to a kid, gosh. And, and we're finding out that dyslexia is a spectrum as well now. And um just like how many people are impacted by ASD and dyslexia that were kind of these unknowns until maybe 10 years ago. And Oklahoma just passed, an early identification bill, but it was never on our radar because while Tate was learning to read, sure, kids, you know, don't retain things. Sure, kids, you know, I've got kids who aren't dyslexic that are writing numbers backwards, you know, uh, because they're in this learning to read phase. But when you're reading to learn, oh, my gosh, were there glaring issues. And and I told um I said it, we did a podcast on dyslexia a few uh, weeks ago. And I was like, Tatum did more math than her peers when she was using Khan Academy because she would either write the problem down wrong and work that problem. And it was right, but when you go to enter it into the digital curriculum, there's no forgiveness. And you're like, okay, you wrote the problem down wrong. Let's do it right this time. And so we got to where we were looking at the problem, writing the problem, making sure the problem was written correctly, working the problem, and then she would go to enter the correct answer and would transpose two numbers in her mind, not even you know what I'm saying? And so she'd get it wrong and like knowing the process and knowing the math, like she has it. But we've had to really slow down um, because there's just no forgiveness in digital curriculum whenever it comes to things like that.
1: Um Gosh. No, you're you're a hundred percent right. And, and I'll just say too, uh, to kind of tag on to what you said about dyslexia and also ASD. Um, really ASD wasn't a diagnosis until like nineteen ninety-seven, which um was when I graduated from high school. And so, you know, people didn't and I had many misdiagnoses um throughout my years, um, many. Yeah. And 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 same thing with my son, like not only is he on the spectrum and probably has ADD um, most assuredly, but he also I'm sure has a, a touch of the dyslexia as well because it all kind of feeds. There's so many different things that feed into, you know, reading and processing information and all that. But um, all of this to say that I do think this as educators and as parents this all needs to be on our radar much more than previously, not because more kids have it like they're getting it, you know, from like transfusions or anything, but because they're getting diagnosed because more people are understanding and able to diagnose it than before. And so you know, that's the thing. I think you're going to see a lot more late in life diagnosis on a lot of these things and hopefully more early diagnosis on these things as well, um, because more people are just aware and they understand kind of the, the nuances about these things. And it's, you know, I mean, it's all relatively recent. I mean, think about it, 1997, like I graduated high school. So within, you know, what, 24 years now, which is it's really a small tiny amount of time, time in the grand yeah. scheme of things, you know, people are going, oh, And that's also funny too, because I think you had the same sort of thing. And if if we've got parents listening, um, a lot of times you as a parent or an adult are diagnosed when your child is diagnosed. Like that's really what happened with me. Um, it, it happens a lot.
0: Well, and just the light bulb that went on and then, you know, you start consuming the books and, and I know we've totally switched. So I'm going to have to like rename this (laughs) (laughs) podcast, maybe split it into two, but, um, you you start doing all this research, and then, like, because, so with, with Tate, uh, pre-K, kindergarten, first and second grade, she was gifted and talented based on these scores from this arbitrary test, yada, yada, yada. And then in third grade, she went from the 99th percentile to the 40th percentile, and in fourth grade to the 20th percentile, and in fifth grade, that's when I was fed up and started reaching out to the um, special ed director. She was in the teens and single digits in in this test, you know, that... Um, we were taking, and I was just like, kind of at my wits end. I was like, you know, Tamara, who's our director, you know, this kid, like you worked with her in gifted and talented. What on earth is going on? And she's like, go to this website. I just kind of want you to do this online assessment. And, and so it turns out she's like a twice exceptional kid. Mm-hmm. And it turns out I'm probably a twice exceptional kid as an adult, you know? And, and as you're going through this, you're like the, the, disability or you know whatever it is I haven't been in education classes in a long time you know I'm sure they've changed it and that's not legal to say anymore but um it's it's a giftedness in ways and and the way we can verbalize and have conversations and communicate is on on a much higher level than a lot of people especially with her peers um she finds that she's she's she does better in conversations with adults who know how to carry a conversation than she does with her peers who are like, whatever, bro, you know, I mean, she can, whatever bro with the, with the best of them, but, um, but she can also carry on a conversation and, and I have her do, she does video content like crazy. She has her own podcast because she's just that kind of a communicator. And we use that, uh, to her mastery, uh, proving benefit, you know, um, So I'm probably screwing her over for, you know, the day she has to take the ACT, but I know she's a smart kid on paper. She just won't look like it. And that sucks.
1: I mean, I think, I think that's for a lot of kids too. Um, I I will say I just attended and I paid like the so I could have access to like, so it's a free conference. It's called, it's called the bright and quirky summit. Okay. Um, and it's fantastic, and it's all devoted to 2E, you know, kids, which basically are twice exceptional, which many times have, you know, they, they might be ASD, but they also have, you know, something else. And, and whatever it is, there, there's co, I would say co morbid but um, d- different things going on. And there's, you know, things that they're really good at and things that, you know, they're not as good at. Um, but the conference itself was fantastic. It was all virtual you know, people from all over the globe, um, parents, educators, psychologists, you know, authors, researchers, everything. So it was like top quality content, um, and and I got a lot of good stuff from that. Actually, I think I just sent it out in the recent newsletter. Um, a lot of the the resources that they were you know kind of shared out, and I think that's really important. You know, there's so many once you kind of know take a deep dive. Cause there's some amazing content out there. Um, I haven't really done a, a blog post on my own ASD and, and kind of sharing resources. Um, that'll probably come at, at some point. Um, Maybe it's <laughs> we're, the we're intro. trying to finish out the year
0: right now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's the intro to book three. Yes, Just,
1: saying. Yes. <laughs> Just saying, um,
0: um, 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 man, I don't want this to end. Like, I feel like we've been trying to get this to happen for a million years. um, I do uh, have one more thing though. Like uh, you, you give um, resources for taming time. Uh, I did a bullet journaling class, like taught b- bullet journaling. Once I felt like I got good enough at sketch noting, I felt like I could kind of teach bullet journaling. Um, but what is your go-to resource right now for kind of prompt, uh, prompt journaling? Ooh.
1: Um, To get that creative juice flowing. I'm I'm, going to say two things. Um, One, and I'm pulling up my phone right now. Um, One, I would just say Instagram in general, um, because, you know, once you start following certain people, um, one, and two, if you're just using certain hashtags, there's no shortage of people, you know, sharing out prompts and different ideas and all kinds of things like that. So I would definitely say that. And then there's one lady in particular Um, I'm pulling up her stuff right now, um, who I just, I adore her and actually, well, she's, she's featured in the book as well. Um, she's called guided journaler on, um, Instagram and she'll put out not only prompts, but she has like downloadable ones. Um, which are super, and and the ones that she recently did and they're free on her website are the alphabet inspired ones, which sound like very elementary in nature, but they're, they're not. Um, It'll say something like B is for behind before built in beside and Baker's doesn't. And it'll say like one thing happening behind you right now, um, before you make an important decision, three things you do, two built in features of your personality um, people you love to have beside, um, you on your adventure and items, um, you have to have at least a baker's dozen of, so like there's, she's got some really cool stuff. Um, those are free. She's got a lot of free printables. Some of them cost money, but, um, you do not necessarily have to download the printables. Some of those are just cool prompts to kind of spark something, um, and she's got a bunch of those in the book. Um, it was like 10 minute journaling prompts. I think I couldn't tell you exactly which ones they were, but it was like all focused around, you know, one particular thing or one particular topic, but what was cool was, and, and this kind of gets back into what you were saying about sketch noting, you know, journaling doesn't have to be all written by any means. Right. Um, journaling, you know, you could print out pictures and do a collage. Um, I do that a lot and share those on Instagram as well. Um, You could also do sketchnoting, you know, and different things like that within a journal page based on those prompts. So don't feel like it has to be exclusively writing. Um, There's a lot of different things that you can do. And it also just opens it up into multiple, you know, things. Like writing for some kids might be really difficult. And so having them, you know, draw a picture, and then write about it, you know, using a prompt that might be an easier sort of way to get them into doing that. I know for my son, writing is is hard. Yes. Um, he has tons of ideas all the time. <laughs> but, but getting them out on paper is, is really, really difficult for him. So, you know, being able to draw and being able to you know, create a collage or bring together those ideas or even just talk through those ideas sometimes. That's why the podcasting comes in. Um, all of those things are, are excellent.
0: So the initial uh, accommodation I had given my own daughter, and again, this is all off the books accommodations because I haven't gone through all the steps yet uh, to get her that IEP. But um, I would have her use her iPhone and record voice memos. And then she would go back and listen to them and write down her thoughts. And it was so much easier for her to just blah, dump it and then go back and rewrite it um, thank you for coming
1: on the show. I thank you, you for um, I putting you up with back. our ping pong of emails back and forth. <laughs> Y'all seriously, we've been trying to do this for like three months, um, or probably longer. And it's like, Oh, will this work now I'm on holiday. Will this work. Well, and then and like, just, you know, emails get buried and
0: <laughs> you're one of those people. I feel like, I mean, I haven't seen you in a couple of years. Uh, but I feel like anytime we get in the room, we can just have a conversation. I feel like this conversation could have gone on longer, but the podcast is at 54 minutes right now. Nobody's going to listen to that. Um, so I have yeah, to have I you mean, back on the Yeah. I mean, you can always chop
1: it in two or, yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> so. I have
0: to have you back on. Okay. Uh, any yeah, last absolutely. words before we, before we leave today on, um, on anything, communication, uh, uh creativity, anything.
1: I'll just say this. So we've talked about a lot of different things. Um, one of my, one of my superpowers, um, I guess is being able to kind of try to put everything in one spot for people. Okay. Uh, so I'll just, I'll just leave you with the resources. So if you go to tech, it's T at tech for you.com, which is T C H E A F and then number four letter U.com. I have blog posts. Um, I have all of these resources are linked there um, under the book. I have links to the books. I have um, links to the freebies and, and different things to download. Most of them are editable if I've created them. Um, the ones that other people created are, you know, have no control over that. But um, all of those resources are there for you. And, um, yeah, go to town. Yay. Thank
0: you so much. That's all the time we have for today. If you like what you heard, go ahead and hit the like button and subscribe to the podcast so that you're notified each time a new episode drops. If you're a returning listener, you should rate the podcast. Leave us a comment. Tune in next week where we're rethinking how leadership and education can better prepare the next generation for a rapidly evolving world.